Hi, I'm Mike Caponeri, and this is the FEMA Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to financially prepare yourself for a disaster. When folks hear about preparedness for whatever hazard it may be, hurricanes, severe weather, flooding, it seems like, generally speaking, there is not as much of a focus on the financial aspect, on financial preparedness. You might hear a public service announcement, whether that's on the radio or television, focused on the importance of having an emergency supply kit, the importance of having an emergency plan, items like that. And those are all important factors to consider. They absolutely are. But it does seem like there is not as much discussion on how to put you and your family in the best position to bounce back from a disaster from a financial perspective. Well, today we are pleased to have with us Mr. Alan Becker, the host of the radio program, Retire Right Radio, which can be heard on several stations around the Kansas City metro area, and also a licensed fiduciary. Alan, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me. So, Alan, I know you deal with financial planning. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and maybe um, just talk about what a licensed fiduciary is uh, and does? Absolutely. Mike, I've been doing this uh, a little over 20 years after I got out of the Navy, um, found the uh, financial services and insurance world. And it's, you know, just about being prepared financially, getting yourself ready for retirement. So I formed a company called Retirement Solutions Group. I'm a licensed fiduciary. A fiduciary means that you work, uh, you're, you're legally obligated to put the client before commissions, payments, the company you work for, anybody, clients always first. So that works well with my personality and what I've uh, been creating with my team. Um, and I'm also uh, licensed in life and health insurance. So 20 years in the industry helping uh, families be prepared for retirement. Great. Well, thanks for explaining that. I think a lot of folks, at least myself, we hear the word fiduciary and it's hard to really understand what exactly we're talking about. It gets used kind of here and there. So thanks for at least explaining, you know, what we what we mean in this context. Yeah, it gets thrown around a lot. And, yeah. you know, I really look at it as working with an independent fiduciary, somebody who doesn't uh, have to, you know, an ivory tower, so to speak, behind him with a, a big box house that's kind of uh, making all the rules. So an independent fiduciary really does work for you, for the end user, for you. Got it. Well, great. Again, thanks for being with us here today. So as we kind of dive into the conversation, I know people get a little intimidated by financial planning. I think that's just kind of natural. Um, but how about we start by you giving us a little financial literacy overview, if you will. You know, what is what it is and why we should be interested. Yeah, Mike, it's interesting you say that it's overwhelming. People will spend more time planning for a vacation than they will for their financial future. It's uh, guilty. Yeah, sad but true. Um, I, I do workshops all over the Kansas City area, and, and I usually uh, will, will mention that, and there's always you know, a, a wife or a young lady in the audience who would be like, just shaking their heads. Yeah. Like, I absolutely spend more time. Uh, with things that are right in front of you. See, retirement is something that's going to happen someday. So financial planning, whether we're talking about it from a place of preparedness against a natural disaster or just preparing in life, you know, it's it's kind of in the distant future. It's, it's never going to happen to me, or if it does, it's years away. So people tend to put it off, procrastinate, right? Uh, but it's really just about being prepared, acting as if, like, I'm going to retire someday, so I need to have that prepared if you know like from my military background if natural disasters happen you should have a, a go bag or, or a place to go to get the the materials that you've set aside whether it's some cash while you're waiting for the atms to come back up or it's a credit card that you leave clear so that you have if there's you know power the ability to charge things 
bottled water. I mean, always making sure you're prepared for, you know, what's coming up next. Yeah. You know, when we're talking financial planning, we look at having budgets and, you know, making sure that you're not overexpending your reach, that you're paying yourself first. You're putting money in your 401ks, especially taking care of the, uh, uh, what you know, the free money, what the employer's matching if you're fortunate enough to have that. So there's, there's little things that everybody should be doing. And then as you, you know, can get the kids out of the house and, and start preparing to like really dive in to get ready for the future, then you put more away. Get a raise, put some of that back. They'll just take that into the budget. So a lot of little things that you can do, but it's just about being financially literate and understanding, you know, what your future holds. Yeah. So you mentioned budget a couple times and I was hoping, uh, and I know you mentioned a couple items related to that, but I think the word budget, like earlier, we you know talked about fiduciary. Sometimes the word budget is also a word that gets thrown around, especially within those that work at the federal government. It can mean many different things and many different levels. Um, but maybe uh, if there's any you know things specific about budget in terms of financial planning that folks should be aware of. Oh, absolutely. See, uh, we've created a proprietary roundtable retirement process at Retirement Solutions Group. And it centers around a budget. So I think it's one of the most important factors. However, I don't mean budget as in this is all you have to spend for, say, your phone bill or a cable right. bill. It's more of a generality. If you know that you're spending 3000 or 4000 a month, you can start preparing for a saving plan. For example, if you want to save three to six months back in case of an emergency, how do you know how much three to six months is if you're not uh, you don't have a budget to have a guide point of what you're saving. So it's, you know, with anything, it's a foundational item. Um, I believe when we build a financial plan, we build from the foundation up. You don't put all the assets in the roof of the house. You build a lot in a solid foundation. A budget is a, sound, a solid foundation of a good financial plan. Great. Thank you for going through that. I think it helps us to think about budget in that context when we're talking about financial planning for an emergency. So kind of get, oh, so go ahead. Well, one thing that's interesting about the budget is in 20 years, I would say 99% of the time I ask somebody to do a budget, they don't really know what they're spending. They're, it's always greater than what you feel. So, yeah, a budget is a fantastic activity to get some reality to, to planning. Once you take the time and to go through the granular level aspects or the pieces of what dollars are going toward Absolutely. Yeah, at home. Um, so going back to what I mentioned at the outset of the conversation, talking about the emergency management community, whether that's at the federal, state, local level, voluntary agencies, et cetera, talking about preparedness a lot, uh, especially as across many parts of the country, we are in severe weather season. And you, you hear items like the importance of having that go kit, um, you know, having an emergency plan. But what are some of the documents, and you touched on this earlier, but some of the documents that people should have in a safe space that will help if an emergency or disaster should happen that will give them peace of mind? Well, documents are important when, when times come of, of need. So, you know, it's important to have copies, whether it's taking a picture of it and putting it on your cell phone, whether it's um, having a scanned copy uh, at home and then the physical copies you know, inside a safe or inside a, a safe deposit box. One thing people don't really realize is everybody has a big fireproof box at their house. It's called your freezer. And nice thing about that is if, unfortunately, if you were burglarized, burglars don't take time to go to the freezer because they're yeah, not waiting for things to defrost, yep. right? Mm -hmm. 
So it's a big fireproof box that you can, uh, you know, put some important papers in a Ziploc bag and stick them in the back of the freezer. But we're talking about powers of attorney. You know, this is one of those things where we don't realize that, you know, a lot of us are in committed relationships, not married. Well, a committed relationship doesn't give your, your significant other a legal responsibility to make any decisions for you. So if you don't have the documentation in play, the hospitals won't, may not even let that significant other in the room you know, nonetheless make decisions for you. So we're talking about financial power of attorneys, medical power of attorneys, um, you know, other important papers that people have are titles and, and statements. I mean, last thing you want to do is leave a job and, and not have any connection to those monies that you put away. So things like that, um, just real important. Because when we prepare for financial planning in general, I like the idea of, of weather as a, as a good analogy. So I wanted to share with you that uh, you know, when I'm giving, uh, when I'm educating uh, our clients or in a, a public speaking type of event, I like the example of preparing for retirement in the form of a, of a hurricane rather than a tornado. So I think that's, that works great for FEMA. So I want to spend yes. a moment on it, which is real simple. If, you know, if there's a, a weather activity going on in, you know, in the Atlantic Ocean, we can see that sometimes months in advance, right? We know that the weather's brewing. Right. We know the, the track. It gets to happen from Florida to um, New York. I mean, it's, it's a pretty wide range when we first see the storm forming. But as it comes closer, the analysts can come in and tell us, all right, that's going to hit in North Carolina or South Carolina. They're really bringing that range down, right? Well, you know the disaster's coming, and you know what uh, hurricanes and and tropical storms and whatnot have, have caused damage before. So it's up to you to listen and say, all right, I need to board my walls, get the paperwork ready, get the generators, the water, all that kind of great stuff. And you have time. Well, that's the way you should be looking at retirement. You have time where your financial planning is to create because money only has two purposes. You're either going to spend it or give it away. So you might as well enjoy some of it and not always live in fear. So you want to have a plan. What a lot of people do, they, they plan for retirement like a tornado. The sirens go off and you've got a few minutes to get ready and go. So um, that's just not a good way to retire. I mean, here in the Midwest, we, we had sirens going off last week. Right. And it was, you know, my nine-year-old's up. Uh, I turn around and look at him. He's got his jacket on, his shoes. He's ready to go to the basement. And uh, I don't know what he was prepared for, but he was... <laughs> he was ready. He was ready. Something. Yeah. So that's a great analogy. And uh, just, you know, being candid, I think I probably sometimes fall into that camp as well. Um, never really thought about it from that perspective, but uh, I think that is a great analogy, really trying to drive that point home to folks. Yeah, you, you know, planning, being prepared, being, you know, yeah. my kids are in Boy Scouts, being a, being a scout, it's all about being prepared, being ready for the future. And I, I, that ties right in with financial planning and, and, you know, disasters and that kind of thing. I mean, it's better to have insurance I was just going to get to that. Need it, yeah. yeah, another important factor, insurance. So did you want to talk uh, about that for a little bit? Yeah, let's do that because it's better to have and not need than need and not have. Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand nobody likes to buy insurance, and we spend literally a third of our income on some form of insurance, putting money back between taxes and saving for the future. And insurance doesn't seem like there's much left to, to enjoy, right? But so yeah. is life. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to insurance, FEMA – is often trying to make the point that having flood insurance, which 
we are responsible at the direction of con uh, Congress for managing the National Flood Insurance Program or the NFIP. And we're always trying to encourage the purchase of flood insurance, even for folks that might not live in that special flood hazard area, which basically equates to a high risk of flooding. Well, I've got a financial planning friend that lives out in uh, the Louisiana area, and she was out of business uh, for the most part. I mean, she had an RV, fortunately, and was able to kind of set up shop. But after the storms in 2016, she was not in a floodplain, and she had a few feet of water in her business and pretty much wiped out her whole region. So uh, that's just an experience I've had personally through a friend that, uh, yeah, just because you don't live in a floodplain. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pennies on the dollar, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I was actually in Baton Rouge area in August of 2016, assisting with some of the response and recovery activities there. And the amount of homes that were not in those special flood hazard areas, and the reality is more often than not, unless a lender requires someone to purchase flood insurance as a condition of the loan, they're most likely not going to get it. However, with that event back in August of 2016, there were so many homes that weren't in a special flood hazard area that did flood. Uh, I can think of one community in particular where one of the state representatives happened to be the only one. This was a, uh, I don't know, about 100 units or so that were in this area and was the only one that had flood insurance and, you know, was able to kind of be an example moving forward, uh, but was very thankful that she did have it. So we're talking about floods, just some quick facts. Probably had a good advisor that suggested it to him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but floods are the nation's most common and costly natural disaster. They cause millions of dollars of damage every year. Flooding events prompted 73% of federal disaster declarations between 2018 and 2017. Floods cost America, on average, $8.2 billion each year. Recovering from just one inch of water inside your building can cost about $27,000. You know, oftentimes we hear that refrain, and I think you kind of spoke to it a little bit earlier. It won't happen to me. You know, I've lived in this home for 30 years. We've never had any flooding. It's not even come close to our house. But in reality, floods can happen anywhere. And I think this stat, uh, it really drives that point home, that 98% of counties in the United States have experienced a flood in some form or fashion. When you think about how big this country is and that 98% of counties in this country have experienced a flood, I think that really drives the point home that none of us are immune. No, I was uh, just thinking, as you were saying that, I mean, it's, it's like many people, if, if, you know, if you're going to live a long life like longevity is one of the biggest risks uh for people today because we're living longer and a big point of planning which has changed so much over the years because we didn't used to live as long as we did so we didn't have to plan for as, as long a time but you know if you have longevity in your family if you live planning is the most important thing so if you have a disaster and one comes up having a plan absolutely i mean that's why in schools we do earthquake drills and tornado drills and, right. and different types of drills so that the kids are prepared. We should learn from what our, you know, what we learned in school is to always have a plan. I remember kids in third grade had to uh, come home and do an evacuation plan and, you know, I was trying to explain it. I made them put on blindfolds and get in their beds and, and get out of the house. You know, what happens if there's a fire in the house and we, the kids can't get out? So if they've at least practiced it once, then they'll know. And, you know, that all just ties back into whether we're talking about finances or where to go or who we can contact or, you know, who's going to take care of our kids. Um, something that we were talking about earlier is 
before we got on air was you know the fact that when you leave your kids with your grandparents or with relatives that you make sure that they have a document so that uh, you know if they take them across state lines or take them to the hospital that they're you know, we, we have a very scary society at some level. Everybody's worried about their data and their information, so we want to make sure that we're able to, um, you know, have all our I's dotted and T's crossed. So having those the, those items of paper with you that says, yeah, my, my parents can take my their grandkids, my kids, to the doctor when I'm out of town or travel with them, it's just good protective and preparedness. Yeah. No, Alan, we spoke earlier. You hit the nail on the head for me with that one. I had mentioned that last summer, my wife and I went to Mexico. It was our 10-year anniversary, and we left our three younger kids at home with my mother-in-law. And, you know, just hadn't thought about that. Uh, I don't know why we hadn't, but as we were, I think, like at the airport or maybe boarding, which probably isn't the, I don't know, it's kind of a morbid thing to think about as you're boarding the plane, but, you know, kind of hit home. Hey, you know, we really need to take the time to put some paper or pen to paper and plan for it if something, if something happens. Yeah, I mean, you're like, I have uh, two older brothers. One of them is 15 years older, and his kids are, he's an empty nester. Another brother who's not necessarily the same uh, personality as I am. Um, obviously, you know, it's like Democrat versus Republican, but extremely opposite sides of the spectrum. And my older brother, who I thought would, you know, the one that's more like my personality, you know, lives closer, would, would take care of my kids. And he heard that I was thinking that. He pulled me aside and said, hey, little brother, uh, I'm an empty nester. Our other brother, his kids are about your age. I don't want the job. Yeah. So uh, it was it was an eye-opener to me to just to assume and put somebody's right. name down. That's not a good way to go either. You, you need to check with those other That's people really and say, so if something happens to me, would you please take care of my kids? And, oh, by the way, I've got a life insurance policy set up to, to right. take care of they won't be a burden financially for you, but, you know, yeah. please help out. So, yeah, I mean, it, there's so many different ways to prepare. That's why I recommend working with a financial advisor because a financial advisor's part of their job is to take the experience that they've experienced over the years from other clients as well as themselves and help you think of things that you didn't think of. You know, as we're talking, two great resources that I wanted to mention, just places to go to get information are ready.gov and floodsmart.gov. So ready.gov is a little bit more general. That's where you can find a lot of templates that simply need to be populated, items like a family emergency plan or emergency supply kit, and also floodsmart.gov, as the name would suggest, very much specific to all things flood preparedness and flood insurance information. You know, the average premium for, for a flood insurance policy being just about $700 a year. Floodsmart.gov is just a great resource with lots of good information. Um, so, Alan, turning back to you, I know we've covered a, a number of topics here. Are there any additional tools that you think folks should consider when it comes to retirement or, or just anything else that folks should know? I think it all circles back to having a plan, starting with a budget, getting foundational, finding someone that, you know, you can relate to, have a conversation with, that is not speaking over your head, that can help you through that journey that is retirement. You know, I'm networked with offices across the country of independence, so if somebody wanted to reach out to us, we'd definitely point them in the right direction if they're not uh, close enough to work with us here or had somebody else in mind. But, you know, you can always go to www.rsgusa.net and reach out to us there and we can connect you. But the key is working with somebody that's going to understand what you're trying to accomplish, that understands that 
It's about your money, your lifestyle, and giving you um, the you know the lifestyle that you've come accustomed to. Because there's things out there, Social Security. Where do I? When do I take it? Um, there's required minimum distribution. All that money we've been putting away into our IRAs. When do I take it? How do I start working with it? And the, the sweet spot for that is 59 and a half to 70 and a half is really when you can take control of your, you know, your distribution pattern before the government tells you exactly how it's going to be. Um, so, you know, it's just real important to work with the right type of person. I think the the advisor should be life and health licensed as well as securities licensed because you need to know what health insurance you're going to use when you leave retirement or yeah, when you leave your retirement. You also need to know um, about long-term care concerns, you know, nursing homes and illnesses of that type. So there's that's all insurance-based. Some some of the tax planning we do uses insurance-based products. So just so many different things to consider. And bottom line is, if we're taking care of our own finances, we may not be licensed in life and health insurance, so we can't take care of our insurance side of things on our own. Maybe we're okay doing the stock market, but there's going to be a time when we can't do that because physical limitations right. or or maybe it's just our spouse looks over and says, hey, let's enjoy life and stop watching yeah, the, the TV. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so many different factors come in, but yeah. finding someone you can trust, having a conversation, building a plan, that's, I mean, that's the essence of it. That's Great. what our roundtable retirement process is built on as well. All right. Well, Alan, thanks for taking the time to uh, talk with us today on the FEMA podcast and just sharing a lot of this valuable information. So My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And anything I can ever do, I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we've linked this episode on the FEMA Facebook page and invite you to join the conversation in the comments.